welcome to Failing Forward. Ian, can you introduce yourself for our audience today? So my name is Ian Dixon. I work as an evaluation officer at BirdLife International, uh, which is a kind of global partnership of conservation organizations. And for the last 18 months, I've been helping to coordinate a project which is looking at the issue of how we better learn from failure in the conservation sector. Tell us a little bit why that's important. Why are you investing in that learning from failure? The original idea for this project came from a conversation we had uh, within BirdLife. As I said, BirdLife is a network of national-based conservation organizations. So many of them have a particular focus on birds, but not all. And broadly, the partnership has goals around biodiversity and human well-being and sustainable development. BirdLife itself is the umbrella organization, and then it's made up of sort of national partner organizations. So there's, and one of the roles of BirdLife is to help share knowledge between those partners. When it comes to sharing knowledge and experience resulting from things that didn't go so well, that can often be quite challenging. Maybe not necessarily because there's an unwillingness to share that kind of information, but I think just that we don't have the appropriate platforms to share that kind of information. Something that we wanted to have a conversation around is how can we improve our methods of sharing information from failure between BirdLife partners. BirdLife is also part of the Cambridge Conservation Initiative, which is collaboration of mostly sort of global focused conservation organizations based in and around Cambridge in the UK. And one of the things that the Cambridge Conservation Initiative does is provide small bits of funding to help encourage Cambridge Conservation Initiative partners to work together and collaborate on a particular issue of interest. So we thought it would be worth reaching out to the other organisations within CCI to see if there was any interest in running a collaborative project looking at failure in conservation. And very quickly, we were able to find people within each of the, the CCI partners who were very interested in this. One of the reasons I think there is such a high level of interest in this is that there's a sort of wider discussion going on within conservation at the moment around how we improve learning from failure and as well a wider drive for better measurement of impact and for us to all be practicing better adaptive management and obviously the discussion around failure slots quite neatly into that. Tell us a little bit about your project and what you're actually doing. The project is called Embracing Failures. So we had an initial meeting of the project team where we sort of posed the question, what's it going to take for conservation to embrace failure as an essential part of the learning process? And we quickly identified that in order for this to take place, it'll take a broad culture shift across the sector involving NGO, field staff, CEOs, donors, academics, uh, and so on. The conversation then quickly turned to, okay, what can we do to help bring about this culture shift? We decided that one thing we could do was reach out within our respective organizations. So we ask for cases of failure and then try and extract the underlying root causes and reasons for failure from those cases and use those to to put together a kind of taxonomy of, sort of root causes of uh, reasons for failure. We decided that would be a useful exercise because the aim would be to come up with something that could be used to objectively assess and identify root causes of failure. We felt that in any discussion that focused around learning, the most useful starting point is not you know, identifying who was to blame or the specific context in which failure occurred, but what were the underlying sort of root causes. We might just get 100 responses which outlines something like heroic failure. So the, the sort of information you often get in lessons learned sections of project reports where you know this thing happened because we were all so brilliant we we worked really hard and then it was a great success in the end of it whereas I think we also wanted information from things where you know you pack up and go home so we decided to make the whole process completely anonymous each of us would nominate ourselves as an institutional contact we would then reach out within our organizations to have conversations with people who'd been involved in examples of conservation work that they felt have failed in some way we would extract the root causes from those and remove any sort of specific identifiers of uh, you know specific organizations or locations or projects we would enter these into an anonymous Google form. Those of us who were participating in the projects 
wouldn't know where a particular root cause or reason had come from unless it was from within our, our own organization. We did that to try to minimize the sort of biases that we felt might occur if they felt the information they provided could be used to identify specific organizations or in individuals. Tell us a little bit about what you learned from that exercise. First of all, I would probably say that one of the takeaways is that there is a definite appetite to talk about this sort of stuff. And one of the initial concerns is that it would be difficult to actually get meaningful input from the people that we were contacting. My experience anyway from reaching out within my organization, I know this was the case for others as well, is that actually it was quite a positive experience. People wanted a platform and environment to talk about this sort of stuff. They felt that what we were doing was useful. We were able to develop a relatively comprehensive taxonomy. So it, uh, we sort of arranged it into three different levels, We've got six broad overarching categories of so failures relating to planning, design, or knowledge, a category for implementation, internal governance structures, resources, relationships with external stakeholders, and then unexpected external events. And then underneath each of there's a second level and then a third level. So under planning, design, and knowledge, the sort of next level down would be the knowledge inputs to project design. And then below that, we'd have things like ecological knowledge, socioeconomic knowledge, knowledge and so on. A takeaway from it was that the, the method that you use to ask people for information on failure makes a big difference to the eventual response. People were generally quite willing to provide this, this information in a sort of informal chat. That worked really well. And particularly the person asking for the information already knows and sort of has a relationship with the person providing. It's more difficult when reaching out to sort of wider networks. So in, in, in one organization, a general request was sent out to a mailing list, which includes 20,000 people on it. And then I think there were 10 responses off, off the back of that. We often got far more responses from a much more sort of focused request where the means of information exchange was a conversation rather than asking people to complete complete anything. That very much echoes our experience that more targeted outreach to specific folks, having it be framed as a conversation makes it a lot easier. Is there anything in the coding that surprised you? How many of the reasons and root causes were internal? When we first started discussing about this, you know, we talked about all the potential biases. One of the worries were that you know, we would only get examples of cases where the causes of the failure were external. The results might be biased towards those types of failures, but in actual fact, it was all sorts. Relationships with the external stakeholders, but a lot of, a lot of internal stuff about you know, sort of project and design and planning, relationships between the people implementing the project, uh, governance structures. Something else that came up is that in very few cases will you get just sort of one overriding reason and often a similar sort of reason will come up in multiple categories. Things like corruption came up in about four different categories for, uh, for example. The majority of failures ultimately start with something to do with project design. We did a very similar exercise here at CARE and that was one of our key findings is that in places where we had failures it starts early and a lot of underlying root causes can really be traced back to design and context analysis. Matt Andrews from Harvard has this great podcast that he does on failure. And one of the things he said is that everybody discovers this, that a lot of those failures get traced back to design. And so they say, what we're going to do is really double down on the design process. What they actually need to do is think about how to be more adaptive. Is that something that you guys saw about that focus on design versus once you have a failure, how do you deal with it? Very much so. The development of the taxonomy, this is just one tool can help with this question of how do we bring about the culture required. When we've been discussing this with, with others, the thing that comes up is, you know, what, what are we ultimately looking to achieve? You know, when we say, you know, embracing learning from failure, what does that actually look like? And I think the conclusion that a lot of us come to is, well, basically the most useful bit is not about, about recording it and then sharing it with a wider audience. It's more about how do we ensure that we're all practicing effective and adaptive management and that learning from failure is built into that process. What are you guys hoping to take forward? What are your next steps here? 
So first of all, we're aiming to finish testing, um, making some final revisions, and then publishing the taxonomy. At the end of this project, the aim is to hold a conference where we want to get together all the stakeholders that we identified at the beginning of the project who you know, we felt are sort of uh, fundamental to this need for a culture shift. Donors, um, NGOs, you know, from field staff all the way up to sort of CEOs, academics, and then get all those groups together and consider Okay, so, you know, we'll talk a bit about what we've done uh, through this project and what we've learned through engaging with others who are, who are working on this. What are the sort of practical steps that we can all take to ensure that we're all learning from failure? From our perspective, what we're ultimately looking to get out of this are some sort of practical steps that we can build into our internal processes within our organization that can, you know, help our sort of project teams and partners learn from failure and then share those and use that to practice better adaptive management. And another conversation will be around how can we incentivize learning from failure, engaging everyone, you particularly donors and that sort of question. I used to work for a conservation donor. And if you'd asked me when I worked there, whether we wanted projects that we supported to provide and give information on things that didn't work, I'd say that absolutely, yes, yes, we do. We want that information. We want to know what, what our sort of projects have learned. But then I would also probably have to hold my hand up and say, we didn't really incentivize that. And One of the conversations we have a lot is that not just about how can donors incentivize but what are the ways that they are unintentionally disincentivizing it? And I think you're right. Every donor I've spoken to says, yes, absolutely, we want to hear about that. But there are things baked into the system that make it really hard to do. And so what are some of those levers that we can adjust in order to make it safer to have those conversations? Part of that will involve also looking at looking towards other sectors who have a more inbuilt, inbuilt culture of learning from failure. I mean, both looking at what, what we can learn from, but also what's unlikely to work well in conservation. Examples that are often held up when you're reading the literature on learning from failures. Aviation is sort of held up as the gold sector. It's unlikely that, at least in the short term anyway, that conservation is going to sort of be able to establish a sort of a central authority in the way that aviation does that records all information resulting from failures and then manages that and analyzes that and uses that to produce sort of recommendations and safety standards. Tech sector, a sort of minimum viable product, a model design a product, which is sort of almost initially it's expected to fail. As it fails, you learn and then you, you go through cycles of failure and learning until you eventually come up with a viable product. Using that approach with an endangered species that's only found at, at a single location is probably not possible for various sort of ethical and practical reasons. So thinking about what we can learn from other sectors, but also you know what would work with conservation. What are some of your recommendations for other people? When you're talking about learning from failure, what ultimately we want to achieve? One of the things that we spoke about in the in the beginning of fail fest that are becoming increasingly common people get together have a meeting and they say pull their hand up and say you know my name's ian and i implemented this project and it failed which is all about destigmatizing discussions around failure while i think that those sort of things are, are important if we're talking about learning from failure that almost requires you to go a little bit further and go okay well actually how can we build in a simple processes to, to ensure we so often we're stopping and um, reflecting on how things are going and whether think whether things are working or not. Well, one of the things that we said at the beginning of this project is that we, you know we don't want to just end this project with an agreement that it's important for us all to talk more about failure. We actually want to get to that sort of learning learning question. Something that seems to come out of this is that a lot of the solutions to this are actually really simple. Building in a process into your project timelines to sort of pause and reflect or thinking about how you run structured debriefs at, at, at the end of your project and how you share that information that within your organization with, and within your team. So I think that... Do you have any of those solutions that you recommend? If we can take the taxonomy we developed and use that to develop a scorecard or something that we can build into our projects evaluation and learning processes. If you had to summarize the key takeaway for people who've listened to this podcast, what would that be? 
there's widespread recognition of the importance and needs to get better at learning from failure. I can only speak about uh, conservation because it's the sector that I'm, I'm working in, but this seems to be a, a lot more widespread as well. There's widespread interest, but there's also an, an appetite to talk about this. When we were reaching out, we found that people were more than willing to share their stories, share their experience, particularly if they knew that there was some practical use from it. There's a huge well of untapped knowledge out there. We just need to work out the best sort of platforms, processes for sharing that information. Do you have any final words of wisdom you want to share with the audience? I attended a workshop on, on failure in conservation last November. Well, one of the sessions was trying to come up with recommendations for us all. And one of the recommendations that came from that was just live it. Eh? We tend to see this as a sort of big overarching question. The solution to it is just trying out a few things, uh, see if they work, and then if they work, then do, do more of them. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been delightful to have you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Failing Forward. Join us next time where we hear about mobile apps in Uganda and what works and what doesn't.